This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Today on The Grave Talks, the haunted Big Sur Lighthouse. Originally commissioned in 1889, the Big Sur Lighthouse has been a beacon for those coming off the ocean in peace and a final sign of life as many lives were swept up by the ocean as their ships went down. Not only has what is now known as the haunted Big Sur Lighthouse been a structure by the sea, it has been home to many families employed to watch the building and to keep its lights shining bright. Many of the families who called the haunted Big Sur Lighthouse home lasted less than one year before calling it quits. Maybe it was the isolation of living in such tight quarters that drove them out. It could have been the constant anxiety that they felt watching ships come in and many go down. Either way, emotions ran high in the Big Sur Lighthouse for many generations. Does the energy that these families felt still echo through the halls of Big Sur today? Or do their spirits intelligently run the lighthouse from the other side? It's questions like these that we have answered in today's episode of The Grave Talks. As we talk with Julie Nunes about the ghosts of Big Sur. Well, the lighthouse came to be because in 1948, the amount of ships that used to cross by it was maybe 102. And then in 48, it went to almost 1,000 because of the gold rush. All the 49ers were coming out looking for gold in California. That's when we started getting the shipwrecks and everything. Uh, so construction began in 1887, and it was completed on August 1st, 1889, the first time it was lit. Uh, and back then, it cost three payments that added up to about $110,000, which equals about $2.1 million in today's dollars. Now, this lighthouse, obviously, it's out there. It's a beacon. A lot of shipwrecks out in that area. This lighthouse was 
probably one of the last lights many people on the sea saw uh, before, I mean, not to go too morbid, but before they passed, before their ships went down. It was kind of the, it was probably also one of the most welcoming things to see if they did make it into shore, correct? Uh, yes, because where this lighthouse is are the probably the strongest currents and winds of all Monterey County. So it's the most dangerous part of the seashore anywhere along the coast of Monterey area. Too big, sir. In its life, uh, as as a lighthouse, in, in its prime and all of that, what what are some of the what was life like with the lighthouse? How was it manned? What was going on with it? What are some of its stories? So this was actually consider it's more called a light station. Lighthouses are usually one building with a lighthouse attached to it. We're a rarity. We're a light station. We have about eight buildings, and we're one of the rarest lighthouses. Once we get our Fresnel lens back in within a year, which we're going to be excited, we're going to be the only complete lighthouse in the United States with all uh, our light station uh, with all the buildings intact. Um, So back then... It was pretty desolate and isolated. It took four hours from Monterey by horseback to get to and from the lighthouse one way. So if there were any shipwrecks, it took the doctor four hours to get there to help any of the people that might have washed ashore um, around the lighthouse, which which happened uh, a bit. There were some major... um, shipwrecks, one being the Los Angeles, where about 12 people passed away. Um, It took, oh, let's see. Oh, well, no, no, no. Only six passengers were lost out of 49, but that was considered a lot back then, considering that there was only, so that's about what, an eighth of the passengers that they lost, which is a great amount if you think of it that way. Sure. Um, so, even to get school teachers out there, usually right out of school, uh, the college for teaching, they didn't last more than maybe six months. Uh, their only social part would have been with people in Big Sur or on the lighthouse at Point Sur. And most of those, there was usually about three, uh, one head keeper and three assistants, so up to maybe four families, unless one of the keepers was not married at the time. So basically had no social life, and most of the families didn't last but six months out there. And during the rainy season, it could become an island. It's about 300 feet up. It's kind of like this moral rock. And um, so it was... Pretty hard, and they actually even gave $200 more a year. Usually, lighthouse keepers got 600 Whoever went there got 800 a year because of its, the desolation out there and how far they were removed from everything and everybody. What were the type of per- person that would become uh, a lighthouse keeper? Who would become a lighthouse keeper, and, and, and why? What sort of qualifications would they have to have? A lot of times it was... Um, gentlemen from past military, like Navy. There were several that were from the Swedish Navy uh, that would come out there. I don't think there was 
I think basically just to know some nav- navigational things and and about ships and stuff like that was the only there were I think that would have been the only qualification there wasn't anything that I know of in particular but it seemed like a lot of them were ex-navy people and probably a desire or a a comfort with being isolated or being alone that would I would think have to be part of the disposition of someone who would want to go to such a remote area and be by themselves well, if you've never been out there, so I wouldn't say that because it's my Shangri-La out there. It is stunningly beautiful, and to this day, it's as quiet as it would have been in the late 1800s. You don't hear the freeway that's a quarter of a mile away, any of the cars. It's rare that a plane or a helicopter goes over us. So basically, it's the wind the oceans, the sea lions that you hear, and I could see the beauty of being by the ocean, and maybe once they got there, then maybe the isolation got to them, but um, Big Sur was only maybe by car, 10 minutes away, uh, so let's say by horse, what would that be, like half hour, sure. something like that, and uh, so they did some trading and you know socializing with them and trading for let's say we had a blacksmith shop and the blacksmith shop would you know do things for them or make things for them and we would get they would get uh, supplies that they might not get the four times a year they, they got supplies maybe like milk fresh milk and and things like that as such and uh, Monterey Jack Cheese, which is a big sir. And, and, and I don't say being in isolation and, and disposition as a negative thing. I would enjoy it myself. I enjoy being away from people. Uh, I'm just thinking of, of, I guess, a majority of the population w- wouldn't fare well being that far away from others. Yeah, and, and that is true, as I said before, is because of... A lot of them didn't last more than six months to a year out there. So, yeah. Did they did they have contracts of, I, I you need to stay here X amount of time? Were they leaving before they were expected to leave? How did that all work? I believe there were, weren't any. I've never heard of any contracts. Okay. At all. So I think they were just glad to have people out there. So whatever it took to get them out there, like I said, 200 more a year back in the late 1800s is a ton of money to people back then. What what was life like when when they were there when a, a disaster would occur, when there would be a shipwreck? Uh, what walk me through that. Let's say they're they're out there, they they realize there's a wreck going on. What what resources do they have to help the people that were in distress out at sea or did they just wait for them to come in? Tell me how that worked. So they must have had some system with um well they would go into Big Sur and get people in them, and uh, people would get their fishing boats and go out uh, to help the people and some uh, um, and try their best, not being any doctors nearby, to to save them or, or keep them alive till the doctor could get there. But basically, it was the fishermen who helped with any of the wrecks. Uh, it was really dangerous because it's some of the best kelp beds in all of California, and right next to the lighthouse is a habitat to keep otters 
um, being prolific. They were like, you know, we're up to about probably 1,500 otters now because of the area with the kelp beds. But with kelp, there's rocks. Kelp is attached to rocks, and there's tons of rock formations, and that's what caused some of the shipwrecks. They would get too close and get stuck on the rocks or, you know, just the currents would just throw them into dangerous areas or some mistakes in the past with shipwrecks. The captain wasn't steering the ship and it was the assistant who might have had, in one case, too much to drink or judged he thought he was at this point along the coast and he wasn't and drove right into, you know, sailed right into dangerous waters with rocks. So basically it was just a group of Big Sur people and Point Sur people getting together with their boats and and, uh, going out there and risking their own lives because of the currents to help the people. When the people were pulled from the wreckage, obviously some would live, some would pass. Would, Would those people, would their last destination essentially be oftentimes the lighthouse? No, it would be on the shore along the beach. There was a barn on the base of the beach. So nobody has actually ever died on the rock where all the buildings are at all. Nobody has. Um, On the beach or in the barn, they were taken to the barn that used to exist at the base, and that's as close as they would get to the lighthouse. Tell me about the the life of, of the lighthouse and, and its activity. How long was it an active lighthouse where folks were living there and, and manning this thing uh, year-round? I would say it, the last people there were the Coast Guard, and that was about the mid-'70s when it, it, they decided uh, it was pretty much automated and they didn't need anybody out there. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, and since then, um, and we used to have a first order Fresnel lens, which is the biggest Fresnel lens, six feet in diameter and eight feet tall. And they had to take that away because people were shooting at it and stealing parts once it became uh, where nobody was living there anymore. So we're so happy we're getting it back this year. Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. It's going to be beautiful. What was the first account that anyone had of there being anything amiss, anything paranormal going on uh, with the lighthouse? Take me back to that. Was it the Coast Guard? Was it individuals living there? Was it after all of this? What were some of those first accounts? Well, you know what? No, I was the... My best friend and I were uh, the second people to ever investigate so we're talking back in 20 2009 was the first time and the other paranormal group just investigated maybe two weeks before we did but before that there was an article written about a year or two before that that point sir was considered one of the top 10 most haunted lighthouses in the united states and to this day we don't know who investigated or how that story came about because until then um, there was maybe just one story about probably that happened in the 19 maybe 
80s when they started doing tours again uh, some the docents uh, some people got together and decided to save the lighthouse and it was a small tour with maybe six to eight people uh, I actually talked to one of the people who was on that tour a couple of years ago and the ranger they just got out of the triplex which was a, a building where three families lived and the ranger goes okay is everybody out and the teenage girl 16 year old said no there's the man still on there he goes what man he goes it's the man in the blue uniform with the hat which was and she as she said blue uh, uniform and that was the color of uh, lighthouse keeper his uniform his official uniform um, so that was the first she saw a full body. She said she saw him, he looked at her, smiled, and she smiled back. And then, you know, okay, everybody, let's get out of the building. And that was the first account ever that we've been able to find about any paranormal activity. Basically there, if you're not looking for them, you would never know they're there. Okay. But if you're looking for them, they'll let you know. They might come out and say hi, and they literally do say hi, <laughs> or, or, or do things that make themselves known. And I want to hear about your experiences investigating and, and some of the things that you found, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But based on knowing what you know now, what you've discovered, and like I said, we'll, we'll get in detail about that, that account of, of the girl seeing the man in blue, who do you think that it might have been? Um, we we're obviously the lighthouse keeper, but do you have any any inclination of to who that that may have appeared specifically in the terms of the life of the lighthouse? There, there's several active that we've discovered uh, keepers. So it could have been uh, last name was Ingersoll. He's active more more likely his. Uh, daughter is really active there and also oh shoot what is the other guy there was this other head keeper who likes playing cards and, and we did something was a study playing blackjack with him one day uh, but, uh, but and the owen family they've uh, some of the children have made themselves known out there but um i would say ingersoll's are a big Part. And sometimes we, we put together who they are from their accents. Uh, one mother's talking to a daughter and calls her by her nickname, which I didn't know was her nickname till one of the living family members told me, no, that's saying Pokey. That's not saying what you thought it said. And that's her nickname. Her mom would call her Pokey. And she's the most active ghost out there. Uh, but um, I, you know, they... We've been able, let's see, we've probably uncovered maybe 30 different voices and been able to identify 12 of them. So, um, that's, but they've all worked there. I don't think there's anybody that hadn't lived up there at any time. There's no, like, wandering ghost that says, oh, this is a cool area, let's stay here. No, sure. Nothing like that. What initially drew you to the lighthouse? Well, my best friend, Monica, she is the researcher. And they have moonlight tours uh, during the better months out there. We have moonlight tours, and we um, 
She says, let's go on a Moonlight tour. This was be one of the top ten haunted. So we brought our $30 Sony recorders, our K2 meter, uh, still camera, and I think I had the Ovulus FX, which was the second Ovulus that came out, which, if your audience doesn't know, it's a machine made by Bill Chappell that has uh, a dictionary of a couple of thousand words, and supposedly each word is a different frequency, and somehow the ghosts figure out how to talk to you using, you know, uh, using the frequencies. And sometimes I made my own dictionary, and mine's even more special. It comes out with words that shouldn't even be in the machine and last names and stuff like that. That's how I was able to find out some last names. The, and the historian was there and said, yep, that's the last name of family. Yep, that's the last name of a family. And, and unusual names, not just, you know, typical names. And we did, we got six class EVPs that evening. A couple of, uh, a little girl, there was no children on that tour. And it's like it was in the middle outside where we should have heard the wind or the ocean or the sea lions. That disappeared in the background. And they came out as clear as can be. One was like, a go, anybody here with me now? And a little girl goes, I'm right here. <laughs> and then another one was a more a residual where it was Catherine Ingersoll. And she had a Danish accent or we knew it was some Scandinavian country and said, zoom, zoom, Pokey, go to bed. And then under Monica's voice, you hear Pokey go, go to bed, you know, kind of mimicking her mom. And then with the K2 meter, what was weird, it was outlining each of my other two friends, their bodies, only in the front. As they turned around, nothing but east, west, north, south, it would outline. And I said, well, what about me? Do You know, try it on me. And the little girl's voice goes, we're working on it. <laughs> so, but, I mean, it, it was pretty amazing. We did have one episode of Ghost Adventures out there, and they said they've never heard the quality of EVPs. And I had to send all those to them, and they tested them. They said, these are the real thing. And it, But I think with reason, Monica and I always get really great EVPs is because ghost hunting, which a lot of people don't realize, it has to do with manners. They are still alive in their minds, and we're alive in our minds. And if you say thank you and knock on the door, may I come and talk to you, You will. they will just chat with you and be so happy with you. I'll bring flowers to the headkeeper's house and sit in the kitchen and like I'm having a conversation and with somebody that I don't hear, don't see, but I do get responses to my questions. And that's half of, I think, what a lot of folks forget is that they're on the other side, and that seems to be, I mean, it's it's quite a concept to begin with, but somehow I think sometimes we attach almost superpower abilities to them or or some sort of... uh, things that we would never assume a human uh, would act like or feel like. And it's it's just like, they're there, we can't see them. Let's treat them like they're with respect, as, as if they're living yeah. and, and right there. Def- definitely. Because I tested that theory out, not having a little respect, walking around the headkeeper's house with a bottle of water. 
Um, because in those days, you did not, you only had food and beverage in the kitchen. You did not bring it to your bedroom, your living room. And I was told by one psychic that the, the lady of the house did not like that. And she let me know she didn't like that when I said, I'm walking around the house with a bottle of water. Some things happened where uh, one of the paranormal things that happened at the beginnings when I investigated was uh, three, we were upstairs maybe less than, I don't know, probably two minutes. A docent was showing us the lay of the land of this um, one building. And when we came down after I had my bottle of water, it would be, um, it was during its restoration and it was plaster and wood, the walls and ceilings, and some of the plas- uh, the wood sticks that made up the wall. Three of the doorways, it, there were three sticks, and e- uh, stick in each doorway, and they would be put perfectly left to right. If it was an inch and a quarter on the left, it was an inch and a quarter in the door jam on the right. And if it was, you know, it was perfectly straight. So three of them were put in less, you know, in about two minutes to let me know that. No, 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 no. And actually, they were keeping the doorway into the living room and both doorways into the kitchen. And and that that was one major thing that the docents would um, admit happened. Most of them wouldn't admit that anything paranormal happened there. The first time that you went, walked in there, uh, was it on an investigation? Was that the first visit uh, with that, that moonlight tour? Uh, it, it was a pseudo-investigation because it was just a regular tour. We sure. just happened to bring things and the historian asked us what our equipment was and she says, well, you know, if you get anything, let me know. Here's my email address and send it to me because this is part of history. And so um, we did, and she invited us back three more times. And on the fourth time, she says, you know, if you become a docent and training starting next month, you can come investigate here anytime you want. And that's only right then and there, three months of classes and three months of passing tests. And Six months later, I'm a docent, and I could go up there anytime to investigate. Now, what is a docent exactly? A docent basically is a person who gives a historic tour. Okay. It's a tour guide. It's a fancy word, state park fancy word for tour guide, okay. historical tour guide. Okay. When you first walked in there on that tour, and and before even you picked anything up and, and you discovered, hey, there's something going on here, what were you feeling? What, what what did it feel like walking in there? Did you know right off the bat that this is a haunted place, considering there wasn't a whole lot of information about it other than a very large claim with very little evidence backing it up in that one article? Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm really good at sensing of... I could look at a building and say, yep, that's haunted, or blah, 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 blah. I don't yeah. know. That's kind of one of my, I guess, natural talents. But no, it's just... All you feel up there is you feel so you're at peace when you're up there, and just the natural beauty of it just is so overwhelming. Um, I usually have to babysit paranormal groups that I'm the one who babysits them when they come up to investigate, and they always said the price of admission for the beauty of Point Sur is worth it all, even if we didn't see any ghosts. You just get this it just sense of 
peacefulness and there's nothing malevolent there there's nothing you know evil mm-hmm. it's it's just a happy happy joy once in a while you'll run into a, an assistant keeper or whatever who will say get out but we might be interrupting their their sleep because my belief is in kind of quantum physics past present and future are all happening at the same time and there's something that makes them intersect and that's what i believe when we get evps it's whatever things make make the the different times and space come together that's what happens because sometimes i've gotten evps where uh, one was a woman's voice goes can you hear me do you see me and so that makes it sound like she's hearing it while she's alive at real time and we're hearing her voice so many times i think a lot of investigators should remember this they might hear our voices and maybe they think they're going insane. So be sure to say what year it is. You're not going crazy. This is the year. It's 2018 or whatever year it is. You're not insane. I could hear you. And if you hear me, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, we're in the future. Or who knows? Maybe we're in the past and they're hearing us because of the quantum physics thing. That's a very interesting way of looking at it, because it, it almost makes you wonder then if you're communicating to them in, in their time. And, and wouldn't it be amazing if, if somehow you came across a diary or some sort of writing of, I was communicating with this woman from 2018. <laughs> you know, where yeah, that would be great. The, their account of, of interacting with you, um, that, would be, that would be very, very amazing. And I could imagine, too, at that point in time, if they were having these experiences, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been spoken of. It would have been very, very hush-hush and very much kept to themselves um, if there was an interaction going on. And, and that's true with me. When I first started investigating, I was, you know, people were, the other docents were laughing at me and stuff like that until we started raising money and it, we don't get paid anything. Um, Monica and I started um, doing three-hour ghost investigations and charging a certain amount of money and you know for it was only like 12 people and we let them use our equipment and within a year we raised seven thousand dollars and we became a wedge of the pie and the annual year-end you know account for where the monies came from and and then suddenly we weren't being laughed at as much and and then slowly but surely over you know, the last eight years, they've been talking about paranormal things. They don't, they could see it's more accepted, and uh, and some non-believers have become believers because uh, recently, in the last year, one docent who was a non-believer saw two full-body apparitions in the last year. Um, so I've seen a partial, and Monica's seen a full body, but... Uh, yeah, it's so different things. It's kind of interesting. Now I'm getting the stories, and then um, since having an episode on television about the lighthouse, uh, we're getting more things sent to us of pictures taken while they're on the tour. Uh, it's some really interesting. A government agency was up there for a few nights, and what happened, what we could piece together happened to them. We can't. 
<laughs> oh, that's. A, do you want to hear that story? That's I, pretty interesting. I would like to hear that story. So there, I won't say what government agency was up there and what they were doing up there. It was supposed to be all secret hush hush. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to be there. We had a moonlight tour, and they weren't supposed to arrive till way after, like midnight. And they arrived at ten o'clock with. So they arrived in camouflage uniforms, guns strapped to their back, guns on their side, a beret, you know, and all military looking. And uh, so kind of scared some of the docents, what are you doing there? And they told us what they're doing there and what they're looking for. And then a week later, they're going to be up doing that for a week. A week later, the same docent sees one of them. So she says, how did you... Love being up here, our beautiful point, sir. He says, uh, we couldn't wait to leave every morning. She goes, what do you mean? He goes, you must know this place is haunted. And she goes, well, I've heard it's haunted. He goes, well, from the time we arrived to the time we left, it was being known to us, no doubt, that we were not welcomed up there. And she said, well, like, what happened? And he wasn't allowed... The CEO, I guess they talked to their CEO, and they were not allowed to say what happened. So we have no idea. I have an idea what they're capable of, but what I think happened was, because at one point during World War II, we had the Army and Navy out there looking for subs and airplanes, enemy subs and airplanes. And um, I think they thought they were being invaded by a foreign military force because you know the modern uniforms look nothing what they looked like back then Mm -hmm. there was no camouflage and stuff and ever since then now we have military spirits up there now since that has happened but it's it scared all of them and they're not allowed to talk about it so we have no way to we just know they they the ghost kept them you know trying to chase them off and in whatever way they were doing and scared them all. Wow. I mean, I suppose it would be like, you know, if suddenly a military force comes and wants to hang out at your house uh, for several days. Uh, yeah. It, it would be uncomfortable. And and if, if you have the ability and they don't see you uh, to try and scare them out, that's probably just exactly what they were doing. I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly simple to think about when you think about it in those terms, but that's probably how they were feeling. They were probably feeling threatened. I, I have no idea. Uh, No doubt that's what they were feeling. That wraps up part one of our interview with Julie Nunez about the haunted Big Sur Lighthouse. In part two, we continue talking about the ghosts of Big Sur and who were the full-body apparitions that were seen by staff of the lighthouse and what did they do? Do the spirits interact with one another even if they're from different time periods? What was it like to play blackjack with a ghost? And... What was it like seeing the full-body apparitions for the first time? And how did the ovulus get words in it that were not programmed to come out of it? Those questions and more will be answered in part two of our interview with Julie Nunes about the Big Sur Lighthouse. Until next time, for the Grave Talks, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening.
This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit Kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.